I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. I believe congratulations are in order. You finished all of your exams for this year. I am done for the year. I only have four and a half years to go. (laughs) (laughs) You have to count the wins along the way, you know, like half a year down. You know, I'll take it. I mean, it it was interesting because at the start, of the semester, I had no idea if I would be able to race and, you know, balance training and everything. Um, and I did. So like I got through the semester and I, it was enjoyable. So yeah, that's a big win. And you didn't just do it. You did like a great job of it. Like you excelled at doing all of the things. I don't, I, I don't know. Like my, so what's great about grad school is it's pass fail. So I passed. I don't know how I did, but I passed. Yeah, I also passed my PhD. I'll, I'll tell you that much. But like, but like, it's um, yeah. But it's like, okay, you you have to give it to us that you excelled because like most of us don't like win Iron Man while having a young child and doing a PhD program. So it's like, I, I need you to like take that and just be like, yes, I did excel. Well, thank you. Well, I. I think I think I've earned my celebratory glass of wine here. So yes, cheers. cheers to you. Oh, our, our stemless glasses here. Mm-hmm. I came on the call, everyone, and normally I'm the one who's drinking <laughs> some red wine or something, sometimes gluten-free beer when we get on. And uh, today Sarah was just right there with her red wine. I'm like, oh, something's happening. Yeah, I'm I'm such a lightweight, though, that I'm halfway through my glass, and by the end of the episode, things might get weird. You're going to be, like, <laughs> slurring your words. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to text Ben and tell him to come rescue you from whatever room you podcast from. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Amazing. It, yeah, it made me think, like, I'm like, oh, school, in some ways, like, that's a really cool thing about school is that it's, like, it's in distinct chunks, right? Like you're like, I'm done this chunk. I did all the exams for this thing. And now I get to take a break. Right. And as you were talking, I was like, oh, I want my life in chunks. (laughs) Like when does this chunk end? Because I just have to like arbitrarily decide that at some point I'm going to draw a line under it probably in the middle of the week next week and like, and just have like, okay, that's it for, you know, 2022. So. Right. Well, you you think like, you know, parenting chunk, that's what, a good 18 years? <laughs> True. <laughs> Thanks for that reminder. That's yeah. You're a lot closer <laughs> than I am. <laughs> that's true. I'm only six years away. You're like 17 years away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that there is definitely a parallel between being in school and, uh, you know, getting ready for a race where it's like, okay, the race is over. I am done with that. 
I can take a break. And then I start ramping up again. <laughs> totally. There is a parallel. How did it feel these last few weeks to actually not be training and in school? Was there a difference to like your, were you more attentive in class or like what would, what were those differences? No. So I was super disappointed, but I had this expectation that I would get done and I would be like channeling all of that energy and be super productive. No, I had a harder time sleeping. Uh, mm. You know, I I just felt like foggy, mentally foggier. Um, I was not productive with my time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I, when, when I have kind of the time crunch, I think I actually do better. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, okay. That's so interesting. You were mentally foggy. So on your, okay, I need to know this to like fully have a picture of it, but like yeah. on your off, like, were you doing no exercise or were you doing a little bit? Like, what do you do? For a, like a week and a half, I did nothing, but then my brain was so foggy that I had to start doing like 30 minute runs just to be able to pay attention because I had a lot of papers to write um, where I just do going out for a walk wasn't cutting it. Like I, I just had to get out of my funk and doing, doing a short run did the trick thankfully. Um, But I was not expecting that at all. Mm. Like I mentally I'm like on paper, you know, Ironman Arizona, perfect timing you know, three weeks till the end of the semester, I'm going to be super productive, use all that time. Well, and I did not. Yeah. Yeah. I felt worse than I did. Well, there were times where I wanted to fall asleep in class when I was in the middle of training and thankfully I wasn't doing that, but just when I'm sitting down writing, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just, I was less focused. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. It's interesting that you're talking about focus, I tend to think of, for me, it's more like the mental health piece. Like, so I, Mm -hmm. I definitely still like I exercise every day and I have friends who, you know, who I do CrossFit with or who, um, or who I know also exercise every day in part of their lives who will like go on vacation and not exercise for a week. Right. Not having just done an Ironman, (laughs) which I have rested for a week after Ironman. I mean, sometimes you can't even walk, you know? Um, but like I would not, feel good. Like if I go on vacation, right. Like I want to feel kind of like good and sharp and like, I want to feel physically good and mentally good, which is why I would still like get up. Like you just said, like do a little run. Um, and I think you're right. There is like a mental sharpness for me. There's like a mood element that I know we've talked about before. Um, but I also was having, I had this conversation with, um, Simon Whitfield of all people, like a few weeks ago where he was like, He's like saying how he like really misses just like exercising all day. (laughs) He's like, I still feel like I could, I would be the happiest if I could just exercise all day, which I don't feel right. Like, (laughs) like that's not me, but I was like, Ooh, that's really interesting. And like how like that, that because like I work out once a day and I think he does, I don't actually know how often he does, but I'm like how using something like we talked about using like something else to have like a little boost in the afternoon. And like, one of the things we came up with was like cold immersion you know, mm. um, or like hot, cold things. Uh, so I actually vowed I was going to try like dunking in the ocean because it's like right out front here. Uh, and I never did, <laughs> but like to, to create alertness in the afternoon, you know, just have like a little jump in the ocean and, uh, see if I can get better work done in the evening. Well, was it, was it Joanna Murphy who was doing the super cold water? Yes. Swimming? Yeah. Yes. Talk to her. She, she seems to, you know, mm-hmm. vouch for that. Yeah. No, I would. So the past 
past week or so, um, on Monday and Tuesday, which is our, my class days, I've been just going for a jog, like a, during lunch break between classes, um, not caring that I get back into my school clothes, my new jeans. <laughs> into your jeans all sweaty. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that sweaty because it's cold. Right. And like, okay. I put, you know, I put deodorant on. I feel whatever. like you and not enough. showering is like a theme. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only only the past couple of weeks. Normally I shower way too frequently. Right. There's um, like multiple showers per day with yeah, but just just getting outside, I felt a million times better. Just getting in a 30-minute run during my lunch break, million times better. Yeah. Made a huge difference. Yeah, lunch break's a good time because it kind of splits the day a little bit. Like you like that's maybe I hadn't thought about that before, but like I tend to work out around nine, ten o'clock in the morning where I've like done some work. And then I work out, but like, then that workout can like keep me, keep me for the rest of the day. Whereas if I worked out at like 7am or 6am, I'd probably be like by 4pm be like, I need another hit. (laughs) 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 Well, I did kind of feel that way where, where I'm like, ah, give me, I need it. I need a little hit of exercise. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, huh? I totally understand how like when people retire, you know, you have to like wean yourself off um, or down on the amount, right? Like I know lots of people who like the first year after they retire are still doing like three or four hours of exercise a day. And then it like gets kind of like chunks down. That wasn't me to be clear, but I do know that that is a thing and that people do that. Well, I, I do know what I do next. Like I am for sure going to be exercising yeah. once a day because otherwise my brain won't work the way it's supposed to that this is this is what I've learned 100 percent. yeah I'm with you okay coming up on the show we are going to talk about oh sponsorship and the endurance sports industry I mean it feels like everything's falling apart is it we're going to talk about that uh we have a voicemail with some recommendations for Ben and his coaching quandary from last week and a change.org petition Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com that's iron women the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts iron women 1515 at orca.com all right sarah before we dive in i'd like mm-hmm. to acknowledge that was the world's longest introduction yeah, and maybe we should maybe we should have taken like one of our main body of podcast pieces and moved it to the start (laughs) I don't know I feel like we've had some long introductions in the past like where we go like we're like I I know we've done at least seven minutes before 
are we on seven minutes did we did we exceed that i don't know we should start keeping track like where we like the entire episode is it just like the intro and then we just have to run everything else like afterwards <laughs> anyway okay let's talk about okay this is i think like there's a lot of talk in my world like you know with like various companies it feels like every week there's like at least a couple of companies who are like you hear they're laying people off they're canceling their triathlon ambassador programs they're they're stop they're not making triathlon bikes anymore or like you know everybody seems to be struggling a little bit and it makes me wonder a little bit about like the pro athletes first of all like i know that's in my like in our industry, I have no idea. And you might have a better idea, like with running shoes and other things like that. Like if that's also the case. And I just like wanted to ask you as like a family of like two pro athletes, like, is that, have you, do you find that like, I, I mean, you've just had two amazing races. So like you're kind of well positioned, but I'm just like super curious if you're finding it more difficult this year with the sponsorship thing. So right now, as we speak, I have two sponsors who've renewed for next year. Out of how many? More than two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, some things are kind of in the works, but it's it's mostly yeah. like, hey, we're moving out this space. So there are three three companies that I've worked with for years, and they've been like great partners, love them to pieces, and they're basically like, yeah, triathlon, we're not gonna we're not going down that road anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad, um, but I get it. Yeah. But also I don't. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's interesting because I'm not like as someone who runs a business in triathlon and elsewhere. Um, I've, I mean, I've said this before, I think, but like it, it's not triathlon's pretty small. Yeah. Right. Like once you're it seems like a good demographic to hit because you're like people have lots of disposable income. It costs a lot of money to like actually participate. So it might be the right demographic for selling like a ten thousand dollar bike, for example, or like a high end heart rate monitor. I don't know. I don't even know what the tech products. It seems like a good demographic. And it is right because people use use tech products in triathlon and love their data. But (laughs) but like it's, it's also small. Yeah, right? like there's a limited amount of that stuff that you can sell in triathlon where like running, cycling, these are just like huge industries. Um, so I get it. But yeah, so I, I think there are companies who approach triathlon because they know that, you know, like you said, um, disposable income, we are early adopters to new technology to innovation and i think once like once they have been positioned themselves in triathlon for a little while they're like okay let's let's branch out um with our with our marketing mm-hmm. but now that now that we're you know well known in triathlon let's let's position ourselves elsewhere um so yeah it's i don't know what the industry's like right now, health-wise, um, I have concerns, but my understanding from these companies is less about money and more about just, they don't see the money coming in directly from the triathlon market. Um, so they don't want to invest. So like you were, you were talking about specialized, um, Mm -hmm. and this, this was something I knew in the spring was that, they were no longer going to be making the shiv. 
Um, so they're long course athletes. They were going to not renew with them at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad I knew well in advance. Um, what was interesting is like watching Kona, there were a lot of shivs out there in the, in the age group race. Ever since, like, I feel like they really broke through when the Crowey won on that new, when the new shiv came out. I forgot, I yeah. forget what year, the years just blend together. But like, I feel like that was just this massive, like, win for Specialized coming kind of like back into the market almost with a new bike. Yeah. Oh, and what, what we, I don't know if there's any data to back this, but I feel like what's interesting about uh, the bike industry is especially when you're talking about people with, you know, more than one bike, which is what most triathletes are, um, is you develop some sort of brand loyalty. So like the number of people I know who are like, okay, I am a Trek person and they have their, their TT bike and the road bike and a gravel bike. And they're like, I am a specialized person. And they just get in that space. And that's where I would be interested, you know, now, like if you're not going to have a shiv, are you going to want to buy the other bikes as readily? I have no idea. So interesting. Yeah. Do you, okay. I should know the answer to this, but like the shiv is a bike that's like, you couldn't use it at a cycling at a like UCI time trial. Right. So like to specialize, have a different bike for that, like a TT bike. They do. They do have a UCI legal TT bike. Right. And they, are they still making that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, the, the athletes who are staying on board, um, the specialized, they will be riding, uh, I, I guess that bike or the old Shiv. Um, right. they're just not making it anymore. I, it was really interesting to me because, um, like the, the new updated Shiv, I mean, it's, it's not new anymore. It came out was it 2018? Um, they put a lot of time and money into development. And then they didn't really spend much money in marketing it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's that's really common in most industries where I was I was pretty surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it's a beautiful, fast bike. And um, it was just kind of a, okay, here it is. That's it. So, Yeah. I don't, I don't know what was happening within the company at that time. Maybe just the, the development budget preceded the marketing budget for it. And like, they're just, it wasn't built in. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe like, you know, you talk about marketing budgets, but like, maybe I I think we're like in a space where like a lot of companies like actually don't know how to spend their marketing budgets. Yeah, it's possible. Right. Because it's like, it's all over the map. Like if you go in with like traditional media, they're not getting the reach that they normally would, but they're still charging the same prices, you know, like for like a mainstream magazine or I don't know, the NBC coverage or whatever, you know, um, like live TV. And then the, but then like on social media, you're like, if you pick, like you might spend money on an influencer, quote unquote, an athlete who has like a big following, but like actually that athlete's ability to like connect with their audiences is going to be everything in terms of like how, whether people are likely to buy a bike just because that athlete rides it. Right? So there's like, it's like super layered. And I think a lot of companies were just really slow to mm. figure it out or haven't, like we're still in that messy space where it's like, what, you know, like, how do you actually 
market now? Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 super messy. Um, nobody has a good answer for it. Feisty Media has a reasonable answer for it. Yeah, well, um, you're actually creating stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, you're not, yeah, you're not, you're not marketing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I do. I, I'm almost done with my glass of wine. I'd like to. <laughs> There may or may not be a correlation there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like it's like the ability to um yeah, it's like the ability to like pivot really quickly and figure out like what your audience wants and like actually partnering with the right people like mm-hmm. as as a company. Um I think too like the, the one thing we started doing, anyone can take anyone who's like, if there's other like athletes who listen to this or whatever, like we started to do these educational campaigns. Right. Where we're like, we'll do like the fuel this fast campaign. Mm-hmm. We did one for the Tour de France Femme. Like where we're like, have a partner that's like a brand that cares about the same thing. But we're not just like, oh, here is this great, like if it's a bike, like here's this great bike. We ride bikes. Look at Feisty riding this bike. Like that's not the the thing is like we're going to educate you about the Tour de France Femme, like what a domestique is, what this and this and this is. And like someone else who thinks that that's important or thinks that like or like buys into the idea that like, if the female audience is educated on watching cycling, that they're going to, they're more likely to watch cycling, right. Then we will help them educate. And then that's kind of, then there's that brand association. So like, um, those are some of the strategies we're looking at, uh, um, for 2023. And like, I think it's smart. Like, I don't have, I, yeah. I mean, we're going to fit, we're going to find out. I can tell you in like, you know, three months, I might be like, nah, <laughs> It didn't work. Well, you're, I mean, to, I guess to rephrase what I was trying to say Mm -hmm. is that you're in the business of making content, not advertising. And I think that's, that's the difference is that people, people don't want ads. They don't. (laughs) They tune that stuff out. Yeah. 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 And we've seen for a long time how that also leaves athletes in really awkward because like you have to be, if you're an athlete, are you also like a content creator? You know, <laughs> like, like if not everybody is. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Interesting. What about um, like shoes? Like what about run, the running industry on Ben's side? I, it's been, it's been scaling back in year, recent years. Um, I mean, what's, what's hard about running is that you basically have one sponsor, um, right? You know that's the the benefit of triathlon is that they're different different sponsors. Um, yeah, my my understanding is across the board they they're not investing as much. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of like you said, a lot of people are just looking at where have we been spending money, where are we getting return, and trying to come up with some sort of sense of what's working or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's some hard pivots um although, although you did yeah you did before the show you mentioned a company that's like focusing now on like what was it running and wellness oh yeah 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 <laughs> and it's like I'm not totally convinced that like wellness while it sounds in theory like a bigger audience in triathlon I'm like if not totally convinced that that's like a community that has needs that like needs specific products like for their to maintain their wellness performance you know yeah so so they basically they said they're they're shifting their marketing like they're completely getting out of triathlon essentially um the partnerships and like 
which is interesting because earlier today I had a conversation with um, somebody from a company and they actually did a lot of market research and discovered that the they thought at first that targeting the market the wellness community would be really beneficial for their company. Instead, they were in like tenth place when they actually did the numbers of uh, who who it was reaching, and it was it was more like performance minded was the the first category. Oh, that's wellness was like tenth. Yeah. What is well? People don't associate with wellness. Like even if I think about okay, there's another there's a company that we've like worked with loosely a little bit the last year, Athletic Greens. I'm sure you've heard of them. Right. And they're like, you know, they're clearly funded. They have a marketing budget that's not that's not yet dependent on the company making money. Right. And so they have money to spend. And I think that they're doing it in a smart way. Right. Like, so I think like they sort of went down, like they started niching down. So it's like you see triathletes with athletic greens on their, you know, sponsored by athletic greens or like um, one of our employees, Millie's parents, like sale, you know, and they. Like they watch like YouTube sailing videos and they athletic green sponsors, like the YouTubers in the sailing space. Like I feel, so if it, if there's those two examples, there must be more, like they must be kind of like niching down and just like buying into like smaller media in each of the, that have actual communities, like people that are listening and watching and like actually where people are paying attention. Um, I, I personally think that's a smart that's a smart way to do it rather than focusing on like wellness. Like who even is that? Like at least go like yoga or something where like there's, there's actually like a group of people who associate with doing a thing. Right. <laughs> like, but like nobody focuses on wellness. Everybody wants to be healthy. Like, yeah. Well, clear, clearly this company, their products, you know, the wellness community did not, did not really <laughs> respond wellness, to it. The wellness community. <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know. If anybody knows, please let us know. <laughs> the wellness. Community. I I want to know who's targeting the unwell community. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like marketing one on one. Like, do not make your audience too big. Like, you're not just like I want to sell to everybody. Like, you know, you can't go from zero to everybody. Like, that's that's not a thing, right? Like, talk to specific people on their needs. You know. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we also had a voicemail. From Jess, who was uh, talking a little bit about Ben's uh, challenges with his coaching pricing. So let's hear from Jess. Hey, Sarah and Sarah. It's Jess. Um, I had some thoughts on your coaching dilemma, or I guess Ben's coaching dilemma. Um, so background, I am a strength coach. I'm a run coach. I have a few triathletes um, that I coach as I am certified to coach triathlon as well. I'm a retired recovering triathlete, if you will. Um, and so what I do is I charge people a flat rate for a six-week program, and I don't limit what that program entails, because I have people who do strength only, and I have people who do strength and run, and I have people who do, um, like, strength and bike and that sort of thing. So any sort of combination, whatever the six weeks entails, it's a flat rate. And with that flat rate, I do... Um, sort of comment on their workouts or help them out in between, sort of unlimited texting, if you will, through the app that I use. And then I check in like once a week, sort of formally, what were your challenges, what were your wins, what can we do to help you out for next week, and that's all included in the flat rate. And then if they need more, 
um, what I do is we just schedule a video call, and that's extra um, because that's just my time, right? So I've just sort of figured out what my time is worth um, per month, per person. And then I don't discriminate, like, who needs more and who needs less because naturally you're always going to have the people who are just happy to follow the program. They always have a couple wins. They figured out how to solve their challenges on their own. Um, and and then they just go. And then you're always going to have, like Sarah said, a couple people who you spent more time with. And I just sort of let that fall where the tips lay organically, whether I end up texting somebody, you know, for a couple times a day or whatever. And eventually they kind of, they might switch positions um, at some point in the coaching relationship. Um, but I do like the idea of a sliding scale, and I might actually be making some changes based on what you guys were talking about, uh, just in terms of what could be offered and what can be added and things like that. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, um, yeah, so, and I think having it published and being really open about what you charge is super important, especially nowadays things are really expensive. People are trying to save money. Um, and just being transparent about what you charge and what you offer and all those sort of things. Um, so, yeah, I hope that helps. Um, if you want to check out my stuff, I am JLAC Fitness. I've done some work with Feisty before, so you might recognize my name. Um, hope you guys are great. Love the podcast. Listen every week, even though not really into triathlon anymore. But um, it's, it's so nice to, you know, I just love the podcast. So probably an OG listener. Hope you guys are having a great day. Well, thank you, Jess. And I'm, I'm glad that Sarah, I, I believe that we actually introduced something that a, a listener took on board and <laughs> considering, I mean, go figure. <laughs> it's a total win for the podcast. I, I actually, like, I actually like super appreciated how she at this at once was like, this is how I do it. And this is what's worked for me, et cetera. And I'm taking on board your point. So it's like quite refreshing. In like, yeah. In like the day and age where we're like, everybody's just like shouting their own opinion at each other <laughs> generally to have someone go, hmm, balanced approach, you know? Um, my, I had a question. I had a question Ooh. back for Jess. I don't know if yeah. Jess is going to have an ongoing conversation with us and send us back <laughs> another voice memo, but like, you know, that way, like I, I, I was following her through like, okay, yes, like put together the first few weeks of the program and then see if there are people who have additional needs. And then, but, but the way that she was talking about like charging for her time, which like, obviously you have to charge what you're worth for your time to me, like that would have created a situation where I'm like always having to talk about money ongoingly yeah. with it's like, Oh, do you need an hour this week? Do you need a, da, 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 like, or do you need two hours? Or we had a special, and then like, the one hour call goes into two hours and then what do you do? Like, or, or more like the 15 minute call goes into half an hour or something like that. So like, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'd rather have something just set so that it's, you know, so that everybody knows what the expectations are. Yeah. But I, I think the point that you really have to understand how much your time is worth to you mm -hmm. um, and working backwards from there, like no matter, no matter what model you approach, if you aren't valuing your, your time. Yeah. <laughs> you're in trouble. Putting, putting a dollar amount to it, then yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. And so where did Ben land on his coaching? So he, where he landed is that he's just going to charge 
a set monthly fee. Um, and there are going to be some people who, you know, say they want a program to get them to Boston and that's it. Like that's the program he's going to write. Uh, it's where, how he came up with that is that he recognizes that he's just early in coaching. So he's had a few clients here and there, but he hasn't established a reputation as a coach. So as he starts to prove himself, you know, more and more then like, he's going to revisit this model and probably think about, okay, how much commitment do I want from somebody? Um, you know, how do I want to word things in my material that they received? And that's something actually Catherine sent me a message about that, where like you set expectations um, based on like what's written on the website and your initial conversations with people where you want a certain kind of client. You want somebody who's going to be dedicated and committed, you know, for, for more than like a six week program. Um, So yeah, I think I think the big piece for him is just the recognition that he has a lot of experience, um, you know, as a runner, but he doesn't have that that body of work yet as a coach. And there's going to be a transition period. So, yeah, I respect it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I found when I started coaching that the like the easiest part was understanding how to write a program, like even for a beginner. Right. Because it's like I knew how to write a program for an elite athlete, right? You know how that goes. And it was the, the kind of easy because I understood all the like, the, it would call it like the physiological reasons for like why you're training in a certain way, da, 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 at what point somebody needs those things, doesn't need those things. And what I, what took a little longer was like understanding the, like how to motivate like a variety of different personalities. Like, so I used to find like at the very beginning, especially they were like, there were a few people who I was like really good at motivating because we automatically clicked, you know, at personality wise. And then over time I learned like, Oh, okay. This type of person needs this, this type of person needs that, whatever. And if I try to like handhold someone who doesn't need handholding, they're like, why are you questioning me all the time? Just let me get the work done. (laughs) Right. And then there are other people who like, you know, sometimes they really want to tell you how, like they really want to tell you what, how their workout went and everything. Even though sometimes I'm like, from a coaching perspective, like it really doesn't matter. Like what matters the most is that you actually did it. (laughs) That's like, we're like 90% there because you went out the door and you went running, check, you know, Um, and sort of everything in between. So it took a while. It's it's really interesting because you can be an expert in doing something, but it doesn't mean you're an expert in understanding how another person can do it. And when, when, you know, my, my, peers in professional sport post these crazy prices for their coaching, you know, right out of the gates. Like, listen, you need to go through an apprenticeship period. Um, Like maybe someday you're worth like $1,500 a month, but you, you have not coached many people. I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. So interesting. I find that's really true, especially with swimmers, like people who swam as a kid, like I have found them, there are exceptions that I've totally met exceptions to this, but like I've found those types really like not understanding how le- learning to swim as an adult feels 
especially like the whole like water thing, like the whole like you're in a new medium of movement, right? And like for people who like understood from when they were six years old how to like catch and hold water and push that pull themselves through the water, like it's uh I found that that could be almost comical. Like, <laughs> like you have no idea how hard it is for me to learn how to to learn how to actually swim. And like for myself, even too, like I think I like I, the first time, like I was 18, 17, 18, when I started um, swimming regularly, you know, like actually going to like swim club, mm-hmm. um, which is like quite late, but not too late, you know? Um, and even then there's still a gap between some of like the adult people that I would coach who were learning to swim uh, at 40. It was, it was so humbling to me. Um, when I was in college, I was trying to teach somebody uh a man in his forties to swim mm-hmm. and like he was paying me to do it. And I had no idea what I was doing. Cause like he, he could not float yeah. and trying to get him to understand how to flow. It was just mind boggling to me. Yeah. So I was not worth, you know, whatever he was paying me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like thinking of timelines. Like Sorry. I think it probably <laughs> took me, like I was a, coach before Rosie was born like it probably took me five or six years of coaching before I started to figure out like how to work with those newbie swimmers that's a long time yeah yeah like learning how to okay if we're starting with holding on the side and blowing bubbles and are scared to go on the deep head like and and you've signed up for Ironman already like okay got some work to do you know Um, cool. Well, I'm glad that Ben came to a conclusion. And the cool thing is like, just like you said, like he'll, he'll learn, he'll figure it out, you know, um, like not just learn how to coach, but like also just like the pricing he'll learn quickly, like very quickly, like what's worth it. What's not, I'm, I'm undercharging here. I'm overcharging here. Like it'll, it'll all fall. The last thing you want to do is adjust prices too often and too much. Um, but he'll figure it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Well, let's take a little break and then talk about our change.org petition. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good, and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The Amino Co's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that Amino Co's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 230 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. 
To try it yourself and get 30% off, use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Oh, Sarah. Oh, Sarah. I love our people, but sometimes our people being triathletes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Your former people, my current people. (laughs) You want want to tell everybody about this change.org petition? So it came to my attention this week. I don't know how long it's existed that someone started a change.org petition to try to get Iron Man to go back to a single day in Kona. Um, and it, there are 2,500 people have signed this thing. And I, I like, I don't even know. I had this conversation with Kelly O'Mara because she's like, I don't even know whether to acknowledge this thing. Right. <laughs> like I sort of feel the same way about it. Like it just in case I'm accidentally sending people to like, I understand that this is emotional for people. I understand that change is hard. I understand that like we have an attachment to Kona as triathletes. Like that is the dream. We all sat and watched Iron Man Hawaii, like on the TV. That's like how so many of us got involved. Like I, I really understand that emotional connection, but it, the whole thing made me think of that post that uh, on your left, I think I mentioned it last week that said like, poor oppressed triathletes forced to race in the French Riviera, you know, like (laughs) just like, like change.org, like really like, like that's, you know, like change.org is for like saving the whales, like educating women in Africa or like, you know what I mean? Like stopping, like sex slaving like you know sex slaving is that a thing i don't know but like (laughs) i use the wrong words getting involved with you know the oppression of the uyghur people in china um (laughs) (laughs) like returning to kona that's pretty much the same right returning to like i want to race a kona it's i don't know it just feels a little bit much to me i know someone's probably going to yell at me for saying this that's okay our apologies to our listeners (laughs) 
but also yeah like yeah i get it but i don't right yeah it's like i i offer you a hug because it feels like a loss and i'm that's great but like change.org really i don't know okay sarah you you this was your idea so but i'm just gonna say now if you were going to create a change.org petition related to triathlon what would it be uh shoot i shouldn't have proposed this without having an idea in mind (laughs) it's hard when you think of like related to triathlon because then it's like what am i what do i want to change what do we need yeah what do we what do we really need i think like like bikes for kids you know it's coming to mind or like something that might create like um like an inner city race series or like i think i think we need a race series where nobody's allowed to ride a bike that is worth more than $500 <laughs> i'm just saying that would be amazing everyone has to there was a race was it the new york triathlon it was a race where um I think it was Lifetime sent Jamila, who used to be uh, in Chicago. Yeah. Chicago, that's what it was. Wasn't it? To Chicago. And they had a category on like the, what's the word? Divi like bikes? Like the city bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the yeah. like the blue bikes that you, like that you rent for $6 or whatever. <laughs> like, and, and it was amazing. And she had this picture of this transition area with all these bikes lined up. I'm like, that's, it's like the great equalizer of triathlon. Just all the little... All the city bikes just lined up. They're all the same weight. They're all the same aerodynamics or yeah. lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I I love it. I love it. I don't know if that's, you know, worthy of change.org. Um. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but it is hard well, to come up with something. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll pitch us to listeners because I came up with a segment that I put no thought into. Um, and I have finished my wine. So that's not going to help me at all. <laughs> Sarah with one glass of wine in her. Yes. What? Yeah. I feel like there's an accessibility play here, maybe like getting kids perhaps in locations where they wouldn't normally have access to triathlon. Um, or getting people's even like swim lessons. Is that too far from like actually not being about triathlon? Like where every kid knows how to swim or every kid learns how to bike. Yeah. I don't know how you implement that. I like the mental image of somebody walking into transition mm-hmm. with a fancy TT bike and like getting turned away. Being turned away. Yeah. Will not. <laughs> I, this is totally like, I just thought of this story. It's totally like off topic, but well, it's only loosely related. But when I used to race, like I used to race in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, you know, and I, I would train there in the winters because my dad lived there and, uh, I would just get such a kick out of, at the time I had bought this, like, it was like a TT bike. It's like some like Col Nago, is that a brand? Mm-hmm. TT bike. It was like an original, it had like, you know, when they made steel bikes and it was just like circular, um, like circular, like down tubes and the tubes yeah. were all circular. So like, it was like, a, it was the right position. So it was like aerodynamic, but it was like such an old, like original. It had like carbon like the carbon held the steel pieces on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like it was like crazy original TT bike. Anyway, like from the days TT bikes were invented. And that was my bike. 
sorry, that was a really long way to say that was my bike. I would roll into transition and there'd be like everybody because they like all live and work in Dubai. All these Mm. expats, they like have their accommodations paid for, their flights are all paid for. Like they just have so much disposable income. They're rolling with like $10,000, $15,000 bikes, power meters, all the bells and whistles. And I would get such a kick out. Like I'd come out of the water, like typically one of the first couple of people and just be like the first time I raced, I was like waiting the entire time for these bikes. I'm like, look at these bikes. Like these people are going to overtake me. And then over time, I just sort of realized that like it's like all the gear, you no know, training kind of situation. <laughs> so like I loved it. Like I'd just be like, how like staying out front with my old bike, even though like everybody had these expensive bikes. So sometimes it's like you could, the work is worth more than the bike. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I think it was, yeah, it was 70.3 Edinburgh. And it was probably, I don't know, like a third to a quarter of the bikes in transition were just like old road bikes. Yeah. And that was so awesome to me because coming from the US, you you don't see that. Yeah. It's, you'll see a few, but not that many. Um, and I just I loved that. I'm like, yes, Scotland. Okay, people get it. <laughs> 70.3 Edinburgh. Like, yeah. why do I not know about this? How long did that race last? I Is it not still going on? I don't think so, but I'm not. I actually don't know. I is it does it go around like a big, like a kind of like mountainy thing in the middle of town? Yeah. With like yeah. a big loop circle around it? Uh yeah. Like yeah. That goes around the mountain. Like the it's not really a mountain, it's a hill. The run's kind of an out and back if it, the course hasn't changed. But yeah, it's super hilly course. The it's point to point for the for the bike. Oh, point to point. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now I'm just like, okay, I I I'm gonna stop myself from asking some like really specific questions about Saturday because you won't know and the listeners won't care at all. <laughs> Our one Scottish listener will be like, the yeah. one's gonna be like Sarah. Of course they swim here, and then the transition was here. And I'll be like, great. That person send us a voice memo. I want to know. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Well, they thank you, Sarah. I know you weren't feeling great. Um for this episode, but you, you brought it, you brought your energy level, you brought a glass of wine. So I also appreciate that for your little celebration with me. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. None of you people can tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.